And those clues begin with... He has 40 caps for South Korea. (laughs) (laughs) My middle name is Bert. It's probably not Song Heung-min, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Song Bert King-min. I would absolutely love it if his middle name was Bert. (laughs) Elio, your clue. I have 44 (laughs) career goals in all competitions. Was that career or career? career? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. We don't actually have Dave with us for the time being, but fear not, he may well actually be dropping in halfway through the episode, so you have all that excitement to look forward to. But in the meantime, I do have a couple of guests with me and a couple of recurring guests at that in Joe and Elio, who I'll introduce in just a second. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about a few games, including a win that we have just witnessed at home against Leicester and a game that we have all put to the back of our minds from the week before, obviously the uh, Brentford game, which didn't go particularly to plan. We're going to be looking ahead to the rest of the season, of course, and the games that have happened around us in the league and the run into the top four chase. And to help me do that will be, first of all, Joe. Joe, welcome back for another episode. How are you doing today? Yeah, much better. Unfortunately, Arsenal managed to pick up three points uh, again. One of our rivals has done them a favour. So still not in the top four, but much better after a couple of disappointing results. Yeah, exactly. I think we're in better spirits than we would have been if we'd recorded on time last week. But we've had a week off. We went on strike to wait until Spurs actually managed to get a shot on target. And they managed to get quite a few shots on target, didn't they, today, Elio? It was uh, a much better performance. It was much better. It wasn't exactly our rip-roaring best, particularly for the first 55 minutes. But it was a much better performance than the last couple of games, whether they worked on how to play without Deherto Carlos. Uh, I, I, I don't know, but... Uh, no, it was much more pleasing today and the team had a lot more intensity and a lot more energy about it. I, I will say one thing, though, as the only ever present on the show, I don't think you should keep referring to me as a guest on this show. I think you guys are all guests <laughs> on my show at this point. <laughs> You're basically family at this point. It's not even a case of being a guest. You make yourself well at home, Elio, but we're not going to rename it the Elio show just yet. Uh, so obviously we weren't here last week, so let's talk about Let's quickly talk about the Brentford game. I have pretty much forgotten everything about it. It's pretty much just ancient history in my mind. I I blotted it out very quickly and for good reason. It wasn't exactly a classic, was it? I mean, second game running without a shot on target, having been pretty much the most creative and the most forward-thinking sides in the league for the previous six weeks before that, is pretty disappointing. A joke about the loss of Doherty and uh, his importance to us as the recently crowned Matt Doherty team, but it did feel like without the angles and the space that our wingbacks had been making, we, we were suddenly shorn of ideas. I don't think it's quite that's simple I think everybody played badly in both games especially Mm. in Brighton obviously before that but versus Brentford as well I think that remained the case it's just that Brentford's are an even worse team than Brighton so they didn't expose us particularly for it it was I mean the best player on the pitch was our old player Christian Eriksen in my opinion and I think that Mm. that that says a lot yeah quite and thank god he didn't really really stick it to us with something that would have left us with nothing from the game I think one thing I'm beginning to suss about Conte is that it's such a system-based approach and it's such a machine that 
one or two players being either a bad fit for the role or or out of position or just not playing very well can almost have a domino effect across the whole side in which mm. it drags everybody down to its worst components level, which is fine if you're filled with sort of players of the level Chelsea had when they won the league a few years ago underneath Conte, uh, but mm. it's less fine if you've had no Conte pre-season, he came in charge 10 games into an already misfiring squad, and a lot of the players are him making do with what he has and him getting an extra 10% out of them as opposed to them naturally being at that level. And I, th- I think that's kind of what we saw in the last couple of games. I think that the circuit wasn't complete, so therefore the light bulb didn't come on. It's interesting you say that actually because I was listening to another podcast recently. I think Joe, you listened to this earlier. You might have other podcasts. Oh yeah, no, we. I mean, I want to say our competition, but they've, they've got quite a few more listeners than us. Unfortunately, it's the Tifo Football Podcast. Oh, then that's one of the uh, one of the many that I I listen to, and one of the guys on there, one of the recurring guests, is a Spurs fan, Seb Stafford Bloor. He was talking about this exact point. He made a very similar point to you, Elio. He was saying how it really is exposed when you have a system like this, where one player just doesn't fit. It really does make the rest of the team seem to play worse and it seems like a bit of a witch hunt on Emerson in particular but he made the point quite a bold claim that Emerson might be the most unsuitable player to his team system in the league which is uh makes it it's a bit harsh on him but it's not his fault that's the point but it, it just it, it exposes the team in, in a way that goes through to the rest of the players Joe going back to the game against Leicester obviously completely different chalk and cheese we turned it around it was much more reminiscent of the few games before Brighton and we started to look like our old selves again how happy are you with the performance? Is it just a case of the bar has been lowered so much that any win would have been good? Or do you think we actually were really good today? I think we were good today. Um, I think what happened mm. was we played against a better side who want the ball more than the last two teams that we've played against and mm. didn't just part the bus. And with Kane starting off with Lucas and eventually Kulisevsky and Son, we are built for counter-attacking and taking on sides on the break. That's when we score most of our goals. Certainly certainly our better goals and more important goals seem to come that way. Parking the bus against Spurs works so well. So Mm. I actually felt we we started off quite well and then Leicester started to take control and started to camp themselves in our half. And I actually started to feel confident because I thought we're going to get a chance to break here. And we're going to catch yeah. them because they're pushing on too much, basically. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, it happened really for the first two goals. Is, is we, you know, mm. opportunities were created from countering them. And I thought, I think we're going to win this because Leicester are playing better football than our last two opponents. <laughs> that's weird, though, isn't it? I mean, we talk about our ridiculous record against Man City, and that's kind of the extreme of it, isn't it, Elio? With the sense that teams that you would expect to do better against us because they're good teams that play attacking football are the ones that we seem to be most effective against but I wouldn't go as far as saying we're a counter-attack team would you? I mean we're not a counter-attack team because we actually build moves from the back and by large do have more possession than the opposition in most matches including our wins but what I would say is that the thing I've been talking about the entire season that kind of lack of craft, that lack of sort of a real playmaker to to get through those stubborn defences has really hindered us when we have come up against something that's really well drilled and not that ambitious. And I think Kulusevsky has, to an extent, solved that issue. But 
you're also relying on a 21-year-old new to the league or 22 now new to the league to to go full Ericsson straight away. And apart from the fact that he's not really that kind of player, he's clearly uh, more of a dribbler and more of a, a winger, which is delightful mm. to watch and a good way of unpicking a stubborn defence. He was bound to have a couple of off-colour games at some point anyway. And not just him, but to say the truth, the entire team's levels did go down in those games. I mean, Kane was atrocious and Son went back to the Son that we were criticizing previously before we realized hang on this guy's scoring every game so <laughs> I, th- I think there's an element of it being us struggling with packed defenses but there's mm. also and being better against sort of teams that want to play a bit but i just think there's also an element of our own performance having dipped a bit whether it's psychological because we still have a bit of softness and we finally got fourth in our control and then all of yeah. a sudden we sacrifice at the moment we got it and i was hoping arsenal would copy us today sadly they didn't or, no. or whether it's just a case of like i said our players have been playing 10 percent above themselves for a good while now and they kind of couldn't sustain that every single game every single time mm. i'm not sure but i think we definitely seem devoid of imagination in both those games and that is something that we'll need to use the summer to address well, you mentioned kudosevsky there it's perhaps strange to start with a player who came off the bench but it was obvious from the minute he came on how much more he offered than Lucas, wasn't it? I don't want to hammer Lucas too much, but we we talked about him a lot in the beginning of the season and how well Kudusevsky's done since he came on. Two assists today, okay, maybe one of them was a bit of an easy assist, but he still was probably our most creative player from the minute he came on. In, Absolutely, what, and he minute? could have had another for Hoiberg. I think, yeah. first of all, on Lucas, I, I don't like going in too much on Lucas because one he's a bloody likeable guy mm. two he's given us one of our most memorable moments uh, oh, yeah. Spurs he can die <laughs> <laughs> he, he absolutely can but uh, we are reaching the point where we're, we're quite wondering what he really has to offer other than a bit of energy which is weird because earlier on this season we were saying he's our guy breaking the press he's been our best player so far mm. this season He's he's got such an important role on the side I think this is the first time in his Spurs career if we take aside his first six months as a January this is the first time in his Spurs career where he's been kind of outright not getting any minutes or not getting a lot of minutes at all and maybe that's hampered him a bit but God, he was bad today. Uh, his first touch was cataclysmic. And Kulusevsky in the first 10 minutes he was on the pitch did more than Lucas had done in 55. Yep. So I think there is an evident gulf in class. But I think I think the thing about Kulusevsky, and, and we, yeah, we, he's got a lot of assists so far. A couple of the assists were perhaps touch fortuitous to today's <laughs> Tom Carroll assist and uh, the Flattering ricochet stats, off uh, shall we say. The, the, the ricochet off of Romero, which was obviously a shot intended as a shot. But you know what? He, he's very much he's got a you can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket mindset and he just drives mm. towards the area he's very direct with his running he thinks what's the fastest route to goal and he takes that route and it reaps dividends because I think one thing I was getting annoyed at before he came on throughout the match and especially before we scored our goal was that we were getting the ball out wide we didn't have an obvious opening to goal but we did have players in and around the box and we then passed the ball back and try and work our way in through sort of a five six seven man wall that was there instead of just getting the ball in the box to be attacked tell your forwards and their defenders you just go for it and and don't get me wrong I know that football at the top level has become such a percentage game now and you you are meant to do the things that are most likely to lead to score and least likely to lead you getting turned over and conceding 
but mm. you can go overboard with that. And sometimes you just need to trust that Harry Kane's going to get ahead of Soyuncu for the cross or that it's going to be poorly cleared and fall at Son's feet and get that ball in there. And that would mitigate a lot of the weaknesses of players like Emerson and Sessegnon who are either out of confidence or just not natural for their roles or whatever because that would simplify their job to get the ball as close to the penalty spot as you can and let people attack mm. it when you get in that area. And you know what? Even if it ricochets off the first man and goes out for a corner, we actually scored from a corner today, miraculously. Yeah, I can't remember the last time yeah. we did that. So, Directly from the so, corner. So there's value mm. in that as well. And uh, I think that's one area where Kulusevski revels compared to basically every other creative outlet at the club yeah. in that he is willing to just think, that's their penalty area. This is the ball. Yeah, take this a risk. is me. How do I get the ball there? Yeah. And, I think, and the thing is, yes, take a risk. But at the same time, yeah. he's so heads up and he picks and chooses his moments to release the ball mm. to someone so well. It's not reckless. That it's not like a gamble in the sense so, that you have a lot to lose. It's a calculated risk. Exactly. So it's what seems like a low percentage pass. Yeah. But when your low percentage pass is actually to someone of the quality of Kane or Son, mm. you then got to remember that they are more likely than... Careful, we're getting into XG territory, Elio. They are more likely than somebody. They are more likely than... No Mope. Lucas and Vinicius Jr. Sorry to pick on Brazilians for any of our Brazilian listeners, if we have any. I don't think we have yet, actually. They are more likely to stick it in the back of the net. So so I just think... Did you mean Vinicius Jr. or did you mean Carlos Vinicius? Because Vinicius Jr. had a Carlos Vinicius. (laughs) I meant Carlos Vinicius. I fancy him. Uh, I I wouldn't mind Vinicius Jr. for for when Son's ready to hang up his boots. Yeah, Mm. but not before then. But yeah. It's it's a case of get the ball to these guys in dangerous areas, these guys who don't need a perfect chance to score, Mm. and they'll have a good chance of scoring. That's what Kulisevsky does. That was a very long-winded way of saying Kulisevsky is good. Yeah, he's really good. I was going to say, your point about taking more chances and just playing with a little bit more freedom and maybe just going for it a bit more, we seemed, as is always the case, when we were 2-0 up, we just seemed so much better after that. And it was like we weren't worried about giving the ball away and we were playing slightly more progressive and taking a few more risks and suddenly we opened up a bit and we were better. And, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to start out that way because, you know, it's cagey. You don't want to lose the ball. You don't want to give it away or take too many risks. But it was just evidence of that. And obviously Kudosevsky was a big exponent of that. And he wasn't our only good player today, was he, Joe? I mean, we had quite a few to pick from. It's nice to get back to a point where we can go through a few key performers in the match and sing about how great they were. Who stood out for you today? Obviously, Son is the easy answer, but let's go through some of our players. Who were you most impressed with? Yeah, I thought uh, Christian Romero was really good Mm. Um, very early on when Leicester was starting to take control of the game. He made a brilliant block in the six-yard box from, I think it was Albrighton, kicked the ball across the goal and he was there. And to Mm. be honest, for the the rest of the half, he was one of the better performers. Um, Bentanker seemed to be everywhere today and... Some of his fouls were a bit silly, but some of them were really clever. Tactical and I keep fouls, using this yeah. term Serie A, Juve-style fouls, but he just kept making clever little fouls to disrupt yeah. Leicester. I thought his industry was excellent. Maybe not his best game in terms of some of the passing that I know Elio's really appreciated in the last couple of months, but very busy. And then, yeah, I mean, the obvious ones are obviously Son and Kulisevsky come off the bench. They're the ones who stood out for me. Interested to see what you guys think. I think I'd agree with all of that. I think Romero, his 
double tackle in the build-up to oh, our second goal was perfect. It was just was after he'd been excellent. pretty badly fouled and I think wasn't awarded the free kick for that pretty bad foul as well because, well, John Moss isn't of a disposition where he can keep up with play with <laughs> athletic 25-year-olds, let's face it. And um, I think, there I go fat-shaming again. Apologies no. to John Moss. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought that was phenomenal from Romero and he was clearly angry by the previous injustice oh. and uh, took his, his anger out with those thumbs. So, no, I love that um much cleaner than matty cash did though mm. uh, i hasten to add i will never let go of that um <laughs> i think benton caught yep some of his passes were a bit sloppy but like you said he was absolutely everywhere and some of his passes really worked where he got the ball from someone and immediately redirected it sort of 15 20 yards at an angle up into the flank to release someone and the thing that he does bring to our play is a real good speed up of play with his passing which because he's not Xavi in his prime he is going to or or Modric he is going to give the ball away stupidly sometimes but when it works it means that we set off far quicker I think Hoybier who obviously I've been a bit critical of in the past had a pretty good game apart from the one time he got into the box and he didn't seem to realize he was in the box but um that's nice we can let him off well I think this is why he continues to be a candidate for upgrades, but mm. he he, ha- he had a good game as well as Benton Curran. I think those two were a huge difference from the previous couple of games where we didn't play that well in that, in fact, not just the previous couple of games, we started slowly against Villa and Newcastle as well, but ended up winning handsomely, but we did start slow both those matches and had poor first halves there. Mm. And in the previous couple of games, we didn't get away with the slow starts, obviously. And I think Hoybier and Bentoncourt started today with a really great press, with a really great energy, which just meant that that Leicester never settled into any kind of a rhythm early on. They had a, a spell around sort of the 10-15 minute mark, Leicester did, and apart from that, they weren't really in the game. I also want to give a big sort of shout to Hugo Lloris because he did almost nothing all game and then was super mm. fast off his line to mop up the one time Leicester did breach us and and that is that I think at that point it was 1-0 that's the sort of thing that makes sure you win a game yeah and he wasn't really at fault for their late goal either to be honest it was a pretty well uh, their, their, struck their, 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 their goal was sublime it was um, a great goal yeah too little too late but if we scored goal. that we'd hate it if anyone blamed anyone other <laughs> yeah. than the goal scorer <laughs> I want to take it back to Son's second goal because you mentioned it a minute ago with Romero's double tackle. I absolutely love that. That that was like when you're playing a football game on the PlayStation or whatever and you've just given up and you're just running in with slide tackles. But it was just like someone was holding forward and sprint, running through, tackling. The ball <laughs> went away for him. Ran in again, slid in again. I mean, but it wasn't, it was it like wasn't just reckless sliding. It was. It was. It was like big or FIFA or something. It was like that. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to get this ball at all costs. But it wasn't reckless. It was actually controlled. And then it actually led to... A really nice, really nicely finished goal from Son. Nice turn, composed finish, but wasn't his best goal of the game, was it? Let's talk about Son's second goal, the third goal. What a hit. I mean, he scored some nice ones this it season. Was, it was one of the best struck shots you're going to see this season. I think the way it actually swerved and dipped into that corner, it was one of those, the second it left his boot, you knew it was going to hit the back of the net as well. It was just it was just perfect yeah. for it. But, it was a finesse but, shot, to use a, a consecutive FIFA reference. 
an R1. It was the sort of hit that Gareth Bale was doing in 1213. It was just, it was something else. I can't, I, I can't get over how good that shot was. And, yeah. and I, it's the sort of thing you can watch over and over again from every angle and it'll keep getting better. It was absolutely lovely. The difference is Gareth Bale was supposed to be left footed. Son's supposed to be right footed. That was supposedly his weaker foot from what, 25 yards? I like Kane, sailing pretty two footed. Oh, lovely. If you told me Son was a left footer, I'd believe. Recently. I don't think he has I a mean, weak foot. Boat. Both goals today were from his left. I'd like to see, actually, and I'm now annoyed that I didn't get these statistics ready for today's episode, but I would like to see how many of his goals goals this season have come from either foot. I don't think he's got many headers, has he? He's not really really get too many goals from his head. One or two headers for us in his entire time here. No, but still, very nice and so on. And let's not forget an assist from the corner as well. Corners mm. have not been our strong suit and uh, lovely, lovely ball in another Son Kane combination uh, to add I to the collection. I think whatever happens these last four games, Son is our player of the season. He's just... Mm. I feel like we should all be giving ourselves sort of 10 lashes for the fact that we admonished <laughs> the hey, flaws in his games. I publicly apologise. For several episodes I gave you the opportunity to join me. Yeah, I wasn't on that bandwagon. If you go back and listen, I was I was saying he was one of our better players through that dire opening period. I would just like to add to this, for the record, and, and we have this all recorded if anyone would like to go back. I don't think any of us, either Elio or I, if I may speak for you, ever suggested that we shouldn't play Son or suggested that he was a bad player. It was more well, yeah, just not the fact like that the morons on Twitter. occasionally, occasionally he plays like a player who isn't as good as his output clearly suggests but I think it's fair to say that he's playing brilliantly certainly in the last game and generally throughout the season and he's closing in on the golden boot as well he's not far behind Mo Salah and of course we've got Liverpool to come up and we'll talk about that in a little while um anything else worth talking about from the game you guys will know that I do as the epitome of a professional that I am I do make notes during our games and I must admit they're getting less and less thorough as the weeks go on I've just got written down here Romero equals monster, which I think sums him up quite nicely. He, he was just, I, I, I think there's very little to answer that. That sums it up, doesn't it? He was just so dominant. He just kept on coming in and getting the ball, whatever way it came, just two steps ahead of every attacker. Lovely to see. Who have we not talked about yet? I think our wingbacks have been subject of a lot of debate over the last few games, mainly for the wrong reasons. And I obviously mentioned Emerson. I don't think they were too bad today, but I can't help feeling that they were sort of playing on easy mode a little bit. They're okay. I mean, let's also remember Leicester were fairly heavily changed as well. But yeah. Emerson still looked like an okay right back playing at wing back. Sessignon looked like a low confidence wing back. He grew into the game a little bit and did improve. But his his final ball was, as I think Joe pointed out in the group earlier, when I, I, I dared give him a bit of praise, <laughs> but his final ball was completely lacking. So I think we need better than both of them, Yeah, really. I thought his um, really mad Doherty, like. I thought his running was good, and I wondered if maybe that's coaching from Conte that, that's made Sessegnon's positioning a bit better when he's off the ball. But I did get very frustrated every time he had it because he just seemed to not have the confidence to kind of run to the outside or to the byline. He seemed to keep kind of pulling back and coming inside and not stretching the game. And I also just mm. thought he just wasn't that great on the ball generally. Mm. So... 
Yeah, that, that's why I debated your praise during the first half. I was going to be a bit frustrated with him. No, rightly so. And it was just after I think he'd really fluffed a good break forward as well. So, so now I absolutely appreciate that. It was a good day at the office today. Leicester mm. were on UEFA Conference League or Europa Conference League or whatever it was, preservation mode slightly. Yeah. But you know what? We, we've had enough games where we play well and don't get what we deserve. We gave the performance you'd expect us to give against the Leicester side today. And I, I think, especially second half, we, we thoroughly deserve to win by a, a decent margin. Kulisevsky, by the way, I think I mentioned this earlier, but it's worth mentioning for our listeners. If you look at the assist charts for the Premier League, and this is from the beginning of the season, may I add, top at the moment is mm. Mo Salah with 13 assists, then Trent Alexander-Arnold with 12, and then it goes Robertson, I think one other on 10. Kulisevsky has eight assists, and he's only been here since Christmas, not to mention three goals. Can you imagine the impact mm. he would have had if he'd been here since the beginning of the season? Outstanding start from him. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, a very good performance all round and a nice result, but they weren't allowed to enjoy it for very long were we Joe because Arsenal went and shot straight back with a very frustrating win from our point of view against West Ham we're not getting a lot of favours from other teams in the league the last few games have we it's uh, it's not looking too exciting on the table front well I mean we were feeling very good three or four weeks ago looking at Arsenal's run-in because they had Man United Chelsea and West Ham Mm. We've taken nine points from the three of them. I mean, all three of them yeah. have been terrible. I mean, West Ham, in their defence, have you know got Europa League aspirations to deal with, so you can understand the, the fatigue there. But, I mean, how frustrating that Arsenal got to play United and Chelsea at this point when both of them mm. look dreadful. I know. We were looking at those thinking that's that's where we catch up. Mm. We looked at the Liverpool game and thought, okay, we, we probably won't win that, but it's okay because Arsenal have Chelsea and Man United and West Ham. So yeah, it's pretty stressful looking at all of that. Elio, how are you feeling looking at the run into the season? Obviously, we've got that huge game against Arsenal. We've got to play Liverpool first and then Dave's leads have got to do us a huge favour next week. The problem is if we just go with the bookies next weekend and as we know the bookies yeah. are more often than not right. <laughs> we're five points behind aren't we? Yeah we're going into that Arsenal game five points behind and potentially mm. it's irrelevant if we beat them because there's still two games after that. So I think we either need to get something as a Liverpool match or Arsenal need to drop points against Leeds or to say the truth a combination of the two even I, I think if both those games are draws for instance or if Arsenal draw with Leeds but we lose to Liverpool then I think we'll get top four because we'll beat them and then we'll have a final couple of games however it's not in our hands Arsenal I think are very much the favourites at this mm. point the good thing for us is that both Leeds and Everton, who Arsenal have to play, will be fighting for their lives. So that hopefully works in our favour. But at the end of the day, Arsenal have gone and won away to Manchester United and Chelsea. Or no, United was at home, wasn't it? But they've beaten Mm. Manchester United and Chelsea in fixtures that we lost. In the meantime, we dropped five points out of the six available against Brentford and Brighton. The second we had things in our own hands, we did mm. what people say Spurs do too very often. And and that's a shame because we could have really had an advantage going into this final run. And, and, mm. and if Arsenal end up getting it, then great. They've overperformed massively this season in terms of what's available to them. And they've managed to finish above a Spurs team that's had a 30-game season. So well done to them. But... 
I'd imagine even if they finish fourth and we finish fifth this year, as is looking fairly likely, you would still make us favourites to finish above them next season. Maybe. I mean, let's see what happens in the summer. I think if we keep Conte, we'll finish above them. One, because mm. Conte is a real manager and not Arteta. And two, because Conte staying is very heavily reliant on Conte getting backed in the summer. To tell you yeah. the truth, and I think I've alluded to this a few times, I'm kind of beyond the point of caring if we finish fifth or fourth. Fifth is a good position. You're in the top five teams yeah. in this entire country. Yeah. That is not to be sniffed at. And, and there's a point we where we would take taken fifth with both hands as well. Let's not forget. Exactly. It's more finishing behind, not just behind Arsenal, but behind an Arsenal side that I genuinely think we're better than that will mm. rankle with me. However, like I said, we've had a 30-game season. They had a 38-game season. So you've got to sort of mm. take that into account as well. Like anything that happened pre-Conte is is irrelevant at, at this point as far as yeah. I'm concerned. And Arsenal will still be trusting the process while, while we're actually hopefully building towards something There's that phrase decent. again. I just... You know what? Like I look at it and I think to myself... I've been to our Champions League matches and had a wonderful time, some great memories. I'll never forget going to Champions League final, distraught though I am that we didn't win it. Still haven't watched highlights of that game since no, that day. Um, and as you know, we were a few minutes late into the stadium because our travel company made a meal of things. So I'm still yet to see the infamous Sissoko handball, non-handball that oh, really? <laughs> uh, cost us the game in the first minute. So uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. But I don't think finishing fifth as opposed to fourth forget european football for a second and what it qualifies you for i don't think finishing fifth as opposed to fourth is something to tear your hair out over this isn't finishing second instead of first this oh, isn't finishing it's so 18th close instead of 17th though, it's just there for the yeah, taking <laughs> it, it's so that we can get to yeah. play in a competition that we're not gonna we win. probably won't get past the course finals yeah. if that versus Okay, we qualify for a competition that we've probably got a much better chance of winning. Like, I, How excited will you be if we get to that quarterfinal, even if we lose it? If we get to that quarterfinal and you hear the Champions League anthem and we're playing one of the big boys, you know. The Champions you can League dream. anthem is the most overrated oh, I love thing it. on the planet. It's better than Can't Smile All these without people you. talking. All those, yeah, I don't like that in the slightest. Uh, why we've chosen some bloody dreary Barry Manilow, Manilow song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. But in terms of the Champions League, I would rather we were in it. I don't think it's the end of the world if we're not. Every single position in this league after first position is kind of much of a muchness to me. What I will say is if we finish fifth and West Ham go and win the Europa League at their first attempt, which thankfully I think Frankfurt knock them out. But if they do, mm. when we've qualified for it so many times in the past couple of decades and never got past the quarterfinal, that will annoy me. Oh, yeah. Not as an anti-West Ham thing, but as a how is this side and this club that are smaller than us and worse than us doing this at the first <laughs> sense when we've had so many opportunities to yeah. and we haven't managed to it. That will annoy me. I still can't believe you haven't seen the Sissoko incident from the Champions League final since it happened. Why would I? No, fair enough, fair enough. Going off on another tangent here, my mum's husband is a Man United fan and he claims, I'm not sure if I believe him and he might not even know if this is true, but he claims to have never seen the Aguero goal 
against QPR that won them the league. He says he's avoided it ever since, what was it, 2012? He says he might have seen it, but he wouldn't have known if what it is because he doesn't know what it looks like. He knows how the commentary goes and he's managed to avoid it before, you know, he hears Martin Tyler screaming out Aguero. Anyway, going off, on, going off on a tangent there. Um, I mean, the way I'm looking at it, I think we've got to remember that just like us, Arsenal are capable of results that you wouldn't expect in both directions. And I think, yeah, they've got a fairly easy run and they've got their so-called hard games out of the way, but this isn't Liverpool or Man City. You know, if we beat Liverpool in our game next week, Man City have basically won the league, but that's because they're going to win all their games. But mm. Arsenal could lose any game from now until the end of the season. They're favourites for every game, probably, except us, but they, they could lose any of them. Joe, do you have some hope or have you kind of resigned yourself to fifth now? I think it's Arsenal's to lose now. I think we screwed up with those Brighton and Brentford results and handed mm. the initiative to Arsenal. And now their running calms down a yeah. bit. They've got through those tough results. I say tough results apparently not anymore <laughs> so I, I do think it's Arsenal's to lose it's very very helpful that Liverpool have got a Champions League semi-final second leg mm. away to a very tough VRL side I think Liverpool are going to get through but they're not going to rest players against Spurs you would think they'll show us no, more I, respect than that I don't think they will but still they, they have to go and play a midweek game a very important game we've got a week just to prepare for them specifically so that's a huge advantage for us it's not going to be easy at all, mm. but I don't know. Let's, let's take it one step at a time, but it's Arsenal's to yeah. lose and it will be a very, very pleasant surprise if we can sneak into fourth at this stage. You know, if we yeah. beat them, you know, if we're still within three points. It's within a game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. We've got a much one, one game could swing it all around. Even yeah, if we exactly. do lose to Liverpool and even if Leeds do lose to Arsenal, if we beat Arsenal, there's still two points in it. It's still anyone's yeah. at that point. So I, I won't give but, up until the, the yeah. 38th game of the season. But um, but if we do finish fifth, though, how will that leave you feeling? Because Elio's just gone over his feelings on that. I mean, given the way the whole season's gone, I know it, it's going to hurt to get close and feel like we could have had it at a certain point. But will you, when the dust settles, do you think you'll be happy with fifth if we get fifth? Well, I, I predicted fifth at the start of the season, but I thought Man United <laughs> yeah. would finish fourth. So it is a bit mm. gut-wrenching that a very average Arsenal side might be the team that actually took that fourth spot from us. I'm in two minds because I feel like we've, we've screwed up because of a couple of blocks of yeah. easier games. We, we just completely, you know, did, did terribly, twi- you know, twice this side of Christmas that's happened. Yeah. But we looked terrible in the run-up to Christmas. Yeah. You know, we just thought it was typical we finally do a podcast about Spurs and <laughs> we start playing some of the worst football we've seen for years and we're nowhere near yeah. the top four. I mean, this feels like a massive step forward now because of Conte coming in. So it's not all doom and gloom finishing fifth, but it, it does rankle. It really isn't. And one more win this season will pretty much guarantee us fifth because of the goal difference. We're six points ahead of United, who have three games to go. We're nine points ahead of West Ham, who have four games to go. So so Mm. one more win, I think, guarantees us fifth spot. But that's fifth in a season where we've not been very good for a large chunk of it. I think I remember a time when Spurs finished between ninth and 13th every single season. And, You're not alone. And there's a lot of clubs that would bite their arm off to be Tottenham Hots, but FC, including Dave's club, Leeds, who are now in a Dave's last club. minute relegation there are, there scrap. They're our club now too. We're massive Leeds fans now. Too. We are next Sunday, that's for sure. Yeah. So in the great scheme of things, I yeah. think fifth is a good season this season. 
Whether that holds true going forward, I don't know. I think we need to get back to the expectations we had a few years ago under Pochettino. I think it's not going to happen overnight. And and I think the quality in this league, the bar has been set so high to challenge for a title by mm. Pep and Klopp sides that finishing sort of it's almost like they're in their own league and we're third in the league, if that makes sense. That's, it's the, not, league, that's yeah. not the case, obviously, but yeah. but we're we're in a very, very hard league and the top six in this league probably all win most leagues in Europe. I think you put us into Serie A, we win that. You put us into Germany, we have a very good chance of that probably finish second. Yeah. France, similar kind of story. Uh, Spain, similar kind of story. Yeah. I think we're in a very hard league. And you got to remember, Chelsea, Manchester City, billionaire backed with bottomless mm. pits of dirty money Liverpool Arsenal Manchester United historically huge clubs with global fan bases and absolute incomparable kind of trophy hall compared to us throughout history not just sort of in the past two decades since Abramovich and Mansour came along so I think in the great scheme of things we are in every season the sixth most likely horse to put your house on and anything above that is us doing a really good job. Yeah, yeah, hard to argue with that. I think sometimes you just got to look at the league and just say the table doesn't lie and if we don't get higher than that, maybe we don't deserve to, but there's there's no shame in... We've lost 11 matches this season, right? Five of those were... Manchester United, Chelsea, Wolves, Southampton and Brighton all mm. at home. All right, Chelsea, yeah. Man United, let's say good clubs, but Brighton, Wolves and Southampton beating mm. us on our turf. That's what needs to change next season. At home, you win all the games that you're meant to win and then you finish in the top four. And we're going to have Newcastle to contend with next season as well. Well, look, we're going to have a few more weeks. So let's not assume we know where we're finishing just yet. Strange things have happened. There's a long way to go. The shoe's been on the other foot enough times. So let's not lose all hope. But it would be nice, wouldn't it, if we can go into the North London derby a little bit closer to them with a lot more to play for. So let's see how that goes. But our next game is against Liverpool. And we've kind of touched on it a bit already. Let's talk about that game because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and we kind of suggested that it was a bit of a free hit and that it was a game that we could almost write off. But probably a bit harsh because we played so well against them earlier on in the season. We were actually unlucky not to beat them. How would you guys approach the Liverpool game now? Would you go into that thinking, we might as well just take the game to them and go for it and risk getting on the end of a bit of a beating? Stick to my theory from the start of the pod. We do better against the better teams. You know, Liverpool will be at home. They'll be attacking us. They've got to win. You know, I'm, I'm not even being silly or anything here that might actually play to Tottenham's strengths a little bit because it will start Mm. to create space in their half and if you want three players to get lots of space it's Kulu, Kane and Son yeah I mean Liverpool are probably the best team in Europe right now I I think they're better than City at the moment Mm. so it's just an awful time to go to Anfield but But having said that maybe it's not the worst time actually when it's a few days Mm. after they've been to Spain for a crucial Champions League semi-final. They'll have a little bit of the wind knocked out of them from that. Yeah. And uh, if they're in our half, much like we saw in the first half against Leicester, that will create potentially opportunities for us. And you know how mm-hmm. fast we break forwards. You know, it take, you know, Romero tackles someone and that seems to start an attack for us these days. So yeah. I think there'll be opportunities for us. I'm not terrified 
because I think there's going to be some mm. opportunities here. They play a very high line, don't they? And we've seen it in their recent games against Man City and generally they're a great team and they'll outscore everyone and they may well outscore us, but we can get in behind them, can't we? In the same way as we did against Man City twice. It's not a stretch to suggest that the blueprint against Man City could work almost as well against Liverpool. What do you think, Elio? Liverpool are almost like where we're looking to get to in terms of, I know they have star players, we have star players too, but they're very much about the system. They're very much a team that is set up and drilled in a certain way for people to to be able to move when they're meant to move, to act when they're meant to act, to play passes into certain areas and know that someone's going to be there. and. I think going toe-to-toe with them, on the one hand, you think that's suicide because they're basically a better version of us, so they'll kill us. But then on the Mm. other side of things, you look at it and think, actually, if you look at our front three, they've got a lot to fear from us as well, particularly if they have had an emotional night on Tuesday night, particularly if Villarreal do actually get two goals and Liverpool have to really work to seal the win and it even goes into extra time and all that kind of stuff. I think we can't do to them what we do to Manchester City because Liverpool's relentless press, mm. I don't think our our backline are good enough to play around that kind of oppress and to counter I think will get undone and uh, I think our manager probably knows that as well I think the difference between Liverpool and a lot of these other sides that have maybe given us a bit of space to play and therefore we've executed a very kind of ruthless plan against and I include Manchester City in that is that Liverpool have Virgil van Dijk and Alisson who are both exceptional at what they do they might be number one at what they do in the league both of them and that that means that those chances that we hope we'd get by kind of lulling them and then getting at them is probably a lot more mitigated than it is by Ruben Diaz and Edison or Soyuncu and Kasper Schmeichel or mm. whatever. I think that's their kind of, their joker in the pack. It's that they actually can afford to have this very ruthless, Klopp calls it heavy metal, kind of gung-ho approach with sort of two fullbacks playing in line with their strikers and three central midfielders all kind of pressing at every opportunity because at the back they have the security of the best centre-back and the best goalkeeper in the league. Did either of you see, by the way, not long ago, and I think it might have been matched today, one of the pundits mistakenly called Klopp's Gagan Press Gangnam style, which I found <laughs> particularly hilarious. Did you see that? No. He I said, wish oh, I had seen that. Oh, it was brilliant. He just said it so casually. No one called him out on it or anything. He was just like, yeah, you know, Klopp with his Gangnam style. And I was like, wait, what a second. <laughs> anyway, I'm all about the wild tangents today. Um, so uh, I've just about- looked that up. That yeah. was um, Stephen Warnock, who was a very poor Liverpool-born left-back. I don't know if he ever played for Liverpool or not, or if he just played at modelling other clubs, but he was a pretty shit footballer, and it seems he's a shit pundit as well. <laughs> it does. It Jesus. does seem that way, doesn't it? And that's uh, Elio pulling no punches this, as usual. This coming from the guy who said Morricum. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a blast in the past, isn't it? Wow. Hey, I'm not, I'm not paid for this. <laughs> no, you're I'm not. I'm not paid for this. <laughs> Joe's keeping quiet. He doesn't want to let you know that he's getting paid. Um <laughs> So uh, we talked about our manager a couple of times, just quickly, for whatever it's worth. I don't want to give it too much tension, but 
Poch in Conte out in the summer? Is there any credibility whatsoever to this? I mean, it seems to have been widely rubbish I, by Conte I himself. Doubt it. I doubt it. And I think Pochettino said he's 100% at PSG yeah. next season too. What I will say is that while I'd much prefer it for that to be Rubab and for Conte to be our manager next season yeah. and Pochettino to still be at PSG, being given another stab at winning the Champions League with them. If he what does I would go. say is that the amount of fans that are saying, no, we don't want Pochettino back, he etc etc he'd be yeah we don't want him back because we prefer content but there's fans actually almost decrying his previous achievements for us because he mm-hmm. didn't get us over the line this guy took a side that we're literally right now saying by all metrics we're sixth in the league he got us to second with 87 points which would have won the league in roughly half the seasons the premier league has existed yep. he got us to a champions league final he did it all with players who had limped to six under tim sherwood the season before he became our manager he improved basically every single player at the club that he inherited and got them to a whole new level i'm going to leave the likes of ericsson and kane out of it because when players become world-class, you assume that they're always going to get there by hook or by crook anyway. But yeah. Walker, Rose, Vertonghen, Lloris improved, Dembele. I mean, even Chadley in his first season, Lamella of a sorts as well. Like, yeah. There is anyone who's criticising Pochettino for not winning us a pot ahead of these absolute billionaire super clubs yeah. is bloody Dude. ridiculous. I actually, mm. I actually hear people sort of not our people, but pundits and fans in general, people who didn't want him to go to Man United, they preferred Ten Hag because yeah. Ten Hag once got to a semi-final of a Champions League in some style, yeah. and we know How'd what happened go? there. People talking about not thinking Pochettino is good enough because he didn't manage to do it with Spurs. What Pochettino achieved with us absolutely eclipsed every single thing Guardiola has done with Manchester City. Nothing Guardiola ever does with Manchester City, even if he wins all four trophies he's in for next season, will ever touch what Pochettino managed to do with us because Pochettino wasn't able to spend 50 million on every position and then another 40 on the backup and then go and unsettle one of his rival's best players in the summer, even though they didn't really need him. Pochettino performed miracles with us and it ended on a poor note, but what he did was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. He had no right achieving what he achieved with us. And if Conte does depart this summer, and I really hope he doesn't, mm. and Pochettino was the person that returned, and it was a Pochettino with a similar kind of mindset of the first three and a half years and not the last 18 months of his tenure here, then you know what? We'll be in bloody good hands and we'd be lucky to have him. There's some very bold claims in there, Elio, which I wouldn't dare disagree with. And I think you've made your feelings very clear. Uh, Joe, I expect you wouldn't dare contest very much of that. Elio has spoken very passionately there. Were Conte to leave, be it in this summer or next summer or in the next couple of years, you'd have Pochettino back, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. If he I'd was on offer. Back. Yeah. I'd prefer to keep Conte. To be honest, I'm, I'm yeah. very excited about this direction. I, I think it's better. I do kind of subscribe to the whole never go back type thing. I think if Poch came back, enough time has passed and a lot of the old dross is gone now that mm. he would have a much nicer, better dressing room and pull a talent to work with. But I'd, I'd like to stick with Conte. I'm, I'm very excited. I love the idea of a, a, a whole pre-season with Conte getting backed yeah. and no Champions League football whilst Arsenal deal with Champions League football. I think that could be a very enjoyable second series of this podcast for us um, <laughs> Could indeed I, do, be. I do disagree with the, the quadruple thing i think if pep i mean say <laughs> klopp wins the quadruple i mean it, it oh, should Klo- be impossible though. 
Klopp doesn't have the, the Klopp's different the resources of Guardiola. I think he's saying oh, okay, Guardiola fine, specifically. Fine. Okay. Oh yeah, only Pep. I mean, it, listen. If Klopp does the quadruple, yeah, Klopp already already then, has performed miracles. You could say he has. If Klopp did the quadruple, then that would be as big as Alex Ferguson's treble. Probably bigger, mm. to tell you the truth, because at that point, Man United were by far the richest and biggest club in the country. Like Arsenal, once every three years was their only competition. So, yeah. so no, if Klopp achieved that, that would be phenomenal but I don't think he's going to. No, um, let's hope he doesn't. But Klopp and Liverpool are almost like a slightly leveled up version of which that Champions League final against them, I guess, kind of solidifies of mm. what we were under Pochettino. We were a silver medalist with Pochettino. Liverpool, mainly living within their means, which is why they're having trouble with the Salah contract right now. Liverpool are the gold medalist version of Pochettino Spurs, in my opinion. It's just yeah. that they made a very good decision in accepting a over-the-top bid for Coutinho and investing it in Alisson and Van Dijk over the months that followed. Brilliant. Well... Let's watch this space. Hopefully it's not going to be something we need to discuss in too much depth, but... I just felt the need to stand up for Pochettino a bit because no, I've read some absolute bull about him. And I agree with all of it, but uh, we'd love to hear from anyone listening. Let's get your thoughts on whether you would hypothetically take Pochettino back were we in need of a new manager at any point in the next year or two. And if you'd rather see Conte stay into next year and just get in touch and let us know any of your thoughts, whether that's to do with how the rest of the season's going to go, how the season has gone, anything to do with anything Spurs related, please get in touch and let us know. You can contact us on Twitter at Plus Day Podcast. You can email us at plusdaypodcast at gmail.com as well right guys it's that time of the show again everyone's favorite part of the show joe you are going man for man toast to velio this week one-on-one how are you feeling are you confident yeah i dave's let me down really um you know i should have dave, dave was supposed to be him? on the show and as has been the case in the past i've written the questions with a two-on-one scenario in mind so uh dave they've had a, a minor family emergency but everything's okay um either that or he just really didn't want to talk about spurs and he made something up and uh i, I tell you what from the group his wife has torn her achilles Ooh. so i That's think we can excuse dave for missing this tonight yeah that's a rough one fair enough i think that's understandable but apparently she's in good spirits and doing okay but yeah dave has managed to escape talking about football after what's been a pretty rough time for leeds but let's hope they can pull it back in emphatic fashion next <laughs> week and do us all a favor and we can have a nice happy episode uh, right so on to challenge Elio then uh, challenge Elio, if you're new is the part of the show where we have a trivia game a few questions and it's elio versus everyone else this week everyone else is simply joe on his own so it's gonna be an interesting challenge got a few questions here but to start things off now, I was looking for some statistics on assists on Kulusevski earlier. I was actually trying to find out if anyone else has got to as many goal involvements as he has sooner, and only a few actually have, but I couldn't find any really good stats on that. So instead, what I have here is a list of the top assist maker in every season since the Premier League began. And I'd like you guys to go at this penalty shootout style. So we've done this a few times now and it's been pretty successful. Basically, the guys will take turns. There's been 30 seasons of the Premier League. Yeah, exactly. So you shouldn't get any wrong. It should be, should be <laughs> and you okay. want us to get the top assister every single, of every season? Well, I want you to try and name as many as you can until somebody misses, basically. This is the penalty shootout format. So basically, take it in turns to name someone. And the minute somebody names a player that's not on the list, it gives the other person a chance to win on sudden death. And that's how it will go until we run out. So it might not be as easy as you think, because there are actually quite a few that have been on there this is two or be three easy. times. Well, no, that's the thing. I mean, it's not actually 30 ind- individual players either, because some of them have won a few times. Elio's getting his notepad out. So 
Joe, I think uh, seeing as you're on your own this week, challenging Ellie, I'll give you the first stab. Can you name a player who has been the top assist maker in a Premier League season? Uh, uh, David Beckham. David Beckham is on the list. And I can tell you, he has been the top assist maker three times. So immediately, wow. we're left with just 27 for Elio to aim at. Yeah, 13 in 97-98, 15 in 1990 in 0-0-0-1. What were the years? 97-98. Just said them. 99-2000 and 2001. So yeah, Beckham is correct. Over to you, Elio. Harry Kane. <laughs> Very good. Harry Kane, the most recent, of course, with how many assists last season? Ooh, was it 10? It's 14, apparently. This is in the league, I should specify, in, in the Premier League. So, yeah, Harry Kane is, is of course, only one entry for him. Uh, back to you, Joe. Um, Already pressure on, isn't there? It's tense. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Thierry Henry would have got it one season because he was basically producing all of Arsenal's goals in some form. So, I'm going to go yep. for Henry. Yeah, Henri actually has the joint record with 20 assists in 0203, but he only appears once. Oh. I think he came close a few times, but he is on there. Very good. You score your penalty. That's Elio, <laughs> who, if he doesn't I get have... it, has lost. But he'll. Yeah. But of course he'll get it. I don't think I will. He's not uh, going this out this is, early. This might be the hardest question you've asked. Uh, really? I'm, I'm going to go with Robert Pires. Robert Pires made the most assists in 2001-02. The year before Omri. Very good. With 15. Joe, pressure back on you. Mm. The year before Omri, did you say? Yeah. God, there's a couple of ideas I've got. This feels very high risk. I, I wish I had like a, a banker. <laughs> I just don't feel like I've got one. I must admit, uh, looking at the list here, it feels easy to me, but, that's, but now I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and thinking if I didn't have... I mean, obviously, having the list there makes it easy, but you know what I mean? Like They're, they're quite think, obvious I think in hindsight. I think we did top 30 assisters. This would go on for quite some time, but you've yeah, got right. to... It's like, who was that? Um, let me too many go, shocks, put it that way. Let me go for Ryan Giggs. <sighs> That's going to be my next one. Ryan Giggs isn't on the list, which is really, is. really harsh because <sighs> he's actually the highest assister in Premier League history. So it's <laughs> really strange that he's not on there. He must have been second or third so many second times. Every season. So <laughs> I feel that's really, really, you're really hard done by not to get that one, Joe. But it does give Elio the chance to go for the win if he can name one. Otherwise, it goes on. It carries on. Elio, you're stepping up for the winning penalty. Who are you going to go for? There's a lot to aim at. There's basically no goalkeeper in goal. Or there is, but he's about <laughs> five foot tall. <laughs> oh, dear. The pressure of knowing that I could get this horribly wrong. Chelsea won a couple of titles. I'm going to go with Ian Robin. I'm just double checking this, but I don't think there's an Ian Robin, which means Joe's back in the game. Bloody hell. It's another miss. There's no Ian Robin. Joe, you're on the second life. Who are you going to go um, for? Just a more recent one that I might throw out there. I don't suppose Salah has been a top assister. I mean, he's currently leading the charts, but I don't think that counts for the purposes of this game because it's not a complete <laughs> season. So I'm not going to give it to you because he hasn't appeared anywhere else on this list. He's not been the highest assist maker in any complete season. So it's back over to Elio for a second chance to win it. Well, if we're going for hopeful, non-shocking, low-hanging fruit, surely Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne 
has been the top assist maker for three separate seasons. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> In 16-17 with 18 assists, 17-18 with 16 assists, and 19-20 with a joint record 20 assists. Surprised no one said that sooner, to be honest. Not that I'm ever going to criticize you guys because you know, you've got the hard part, but yeah, there you go. Just to kind of rattle off the rest, there are obviously quite a few, but I'll run through them quickly. I won't go through all the details, but in order from the beginning onwards, we have Cantona, Cole, Letitia, McManaman, Cantona again, then Beckham, Burkamp, Beckham, Beckham, Pires Omri, Muzzy Is It with 14 <laughs> assists in 0304. Would have been very impressive if someone had gone with that one. Uh, Lampard, Drogba, Fabregas and Rooney joint, Fabregas again, Lampard Van Persie joint, Lampard, Nani, David Silva, Mata, Gerard, Fabregas, Ozil, and then we're up to De Bruyne, De Bruyne, Hazard, De Bruyne, Kane. So then, I think when you say that, it, there's no shockers. Andy Cole as a creator oh, no, there are surprises a couple of me a little there. bit. Mozzie is it was and not one I was Muzzy expecting to be in that um, company. <laughs> Nani, who I remember as a roundly yep. disappointing excuse of a footballer and as magical as Leticia yeah. 15 was, assists I don't I don't More remember Southampton ever scoring 15 goals in a season yeah. and if they did it was him scoring them yeah um, exactly. that's more than Kane got so, last season 15 in 94-95 well, games now yeah, don't forget. yeah fair enough yeah um, um, so that's that that's that game done. One one question out of the way, guys. We're making pretty good pace. And we're now... Dave will be gutted that he missed the week where Challenge Elio moved quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't speak too soon. We're only one of three questions in now. So, Although, that being said, I have got a quick fire round for you next. So in theory, this one should go pretty quickly. And I've got a whole load of questions. You, remember, you might remember we did a quick fire Harry Kane round once upon a time. And I've decided to give the due credit to his buddy and partner in crime, Son Hyun Min, this week after his excellent performance today. So we just got... Quite simply a quick fire question and answer round about human son and i'd like you guys to buzz okay. in if you think you know the answer i should have given you a bit of a heads up to get buzz already but we can just manually buzz if we can do that <laughs> sound good yep okay Sounds so good. speed is the name what's again. your buzzer gonna be joe joe let's have a buzzer test buzz excellent buzzer elio cockwomble of course brilliant question one buzzers at the ready how many league goals has son scored this season buzz cockwomble Ooh, I make that Joe by a, by a VAR listen, decision. When you li- when you listen to that back, you will regret that. Speech of you'll editing, can, you, can you move Elio's track along a little bit? You'll live to regret <laughs> that you that sounded got the mildly buzzers. threatening, didn't it? All right, Joe, do you do you think you got there first? Seventeen. Uh, That's not right. Which means Elio has a chance. I'll give you all the time well, you need. Well, today Elio. he scored his 18th and his 19th goal of the did. season, so 19. Point Aww. to Elio. And can you keep track of the points? Because I'm not. Next question. Okay. To the nearest 10, how many goals has Son scored in all competitions for Spurs? To the nearest 10. Yep. I'd like a buzzer. Buzz. Yep. 110. It's not within 10. Elio? <laughs> so if I get closer, I get the point here. No, you've got to be within 10. Oh, really? I don't think this through. Um, yep. 130. It's 127. Elio gets another oh. point. Very good. <laughs> Question three. What is Son's highest scoring season in the league? Are we discounting this season because it's already his highest scoring season in the league this season? Oh, you've just given me the answer, Elio, but you didn't buzz. Quick, Joe, buzz. That, that is the right answer. I'll give you the point there, Elio. That's three. That is this season, 19. Next question. From whom did Spurs sign Son? Cockwomble. Yep. Hamburg. Not correct. Over to oh, Joe. Buzzer. He did. I thought yep. uh, it was Dortmund. No. 
It's not. Anyone want to shout out an answer? Uh, Leverkusen? It was Leverkusen. I must admit, I thought, for some reason, I thought he played for Dortmund, but no, it was Leverkusen. Is it, I think it's because everyone played for Dortmund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Do I get a point there, for that or not? Um, yeah. no, get- no, you've already got three points. You don't need a fourth. Let's keep it competitive. Question half a point. You can have half five. a point. So the nearest five goals, how many goals has Son scored for Korea? Ooh, I'm not an avid follower of um, Asian World <laughs> Cup qualification, I must admit. Buzz, Shame it's going to be you. 20. That's not within five. Elio? Oh. <laughs> to mop it up? Buzz, 25. All right, Joe, you can have that. There's a point. It's, it's actually 31, but I'm going to let you... I'm going to give that you a leeway. That is not within five, and he had two, two guesses before I even got Joe's one. Joe's on his own. <laughs> Joe supports Spurs. All right, no one gets the point there. So what is that? Is How that 4-0? Is that 4 yeah. yeah, it was 31. Next question. Where did Son begin his professional football career? Uh, Buzz, is it... Yep. Uh, I don't know, Samsung... The team that Samsung owns. <laughs> Does Samsung actually own a team, a or are you just bunch, being a bunch borderline of the, the racist? Teams are like owned by Chamberlain yep. corporations. Put Joe out of his misery. I'm assuming that you wouldn't ask us if it was some obscure Asian team, it's not a Korean so team. So therefore, I'm going to go with my previous answer yep. of Hamburg because I do is know he played right for Hamburg. Answer: It is Hamburg. Okay. Four 0 to Elio. Next question: How much did Spurs pay for Huminson? Cockwomble. Yep. I mean, obviously, these are as by pressure yep. ports, but I'm going to go with 20, 25 million. It's not exactly right, but it's close enough. I feel like I'm going to give you a point because I was lenient to Joe. It was 22 million, which, Joe, you weren't about to say that, were you? I would have gone for no? more, 27. Okay, very honest of you. Next question, question eight. Which sports brand sponsors Son Hyun Min? Cockwomble. Elio? Nike. No. Joe? Adidas. Adidas is correct. It's a point for Joe. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> Question nine. What award did Son Hyun Min win in 2020? Cock Humble. Yep. Asian Player of the Year. Yeah, that's actually correct. <laughs> that's not the answer I wanted, but I can't say it's wrong. What awards... While playing for Spurs are still the same, isn't it? You know what? Scrap that question. I meant the Puskas Award. I wasn't thinking this through. Next, <laughs> next question is highly relevant. So I'm not getting my point nope. for my right nope. answer. <laughs> no, but, it, but it, it leans into this question. How many times has Son won the Best Footballer in Asia Award? Buzz. Have a guess. We're doing away with the buzzers. Nope. More. Elio. Cockwomble. Yep. Seven. That is right. Very good. Jesus. Seven. Oh. Seven, seven times. times. Seven times. Here's a good question. Here's a good question. Who was the only other recipient of that award since 2014, beating Son in 2016? So his first season with us when he barely played, basically. <laughs> Making excuses um, for him. Is that actually a question or yeah. is this just out no, of No, this is an actual question. It's a tenuously linked to him, but it is a, a human Son question. Who is the only other player to win the Best Footballer in Asia award? Leicester won the league that year, didn't they? Leicester Let's won the league that year, and didn't they have a centre back from Japan? Wasn't oh, a, what was his name? Wasn't a centre back, I don't think. Come on, Joe. Elio's just teed <sighs> you up there. So it was a Japanese Leicester player. It was a Japanese Leicester player. <laughs> not a centre back though. How could you not Who's remember I this guy? Centre back. I don't think he was centre back. I I think he was an attacker, but unless I'm wildly off. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You're there. You're almost there. Okay. 
Think of syllables. <laughs> You're two syllables. Okazumi. No, oh, so Okazumi. close. I feel like that's closer than points I've given Joe. Okazaki. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you that, Elio, for Okazumi. I'm going to give you the points. <laughs> Okazumi. Okazumi. That sounds Japanese, and it was within a couple of syllables, so I'll let you have that one. Oh, I don't know what the score is. It's about 5-1. It's about 5-1. Okay, next question. It's actually 7-1. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Son is the highest scoring Asian player in Premier League history. Who is second? Clark Womble. Yep. Park Ji-sun. Correct. Next question. Son has scored one goal at a World Cup. Who did this come against? Uh, buzzer. Ooh. Germany. Yep. It was against Germany. It was a lovely counter-attack goal. Uh, next question. In 2020, against whom did Son score four goals in a match? Cockwomble Southampton. Correct. I'm not even counting score. I think Elio's won, but let's get through them anyway. What was significant no, about Son's opener against Palace on the 3rd of April 2019? Cockwomble first game at the new stadium. It was. That's correct. Very good. Next question. Son signed for Spurs in the summer of 2015 alongside Kevin Wimmer, Kieran Trippier, Clinton and G, and which other player? Joe just looks like he's given up on this one. He's thinking this is pure Elio territory. Wimmer and G. Who was the other Trippier one? Trippier. mentioned? And. One other. It wasn't Deli Ali. He actually signed in January and we left him there for the rest of the season on loan before he came back. So it can't be him unless you've mistakenly put him there, which would be a very easy I, thing to it do. It would be, but that's not the answer I have. Um, so... I want to defend myself, but I've made about four mistakes in this quiz already. Cockwomble yep. Vincent Janssen? No, it's not. Joe, okay. any idea? Um, no. No, it was Toby Adavarod. Oh, fuck's sake. That, that should have been obvious. <laughs> For how many Spurs managers has Son scored the first goal? Buzzer. Three. Yep. Three it is. It is indeed. I've asked three managers. Where is Son on the list of all-time Tottenham's top goal scorers? Buzzer. Yep. Sixth. No, lower. Elio? Cockwomble. Eleventh. No. Was a 10th. <laughs> yeah, 10th. I'm going to let you have that, Joe. Yeah. He's right in between Teddy Sheringham and um, Alan Gilzean. So, not bad. What do you mean bad. you're going to let me have it? I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually. Strange choice of words. Next comeback is question. on. Question. Your comeback is on. Son has won goal of the month twice for Spurs with goals against which two teams? And you need to give me both because one of them's easy. <laughs> so obviously one of them's a certain team I didn't hear a buzz um, I know that's why I didn't say it because I don't want to screw Joe over by being unfair um, any ideas? Cockwomble, yep. Burnley and Chelsea that's the right answer have oh. you got a Chelsea goal in mind? Chelsea was the one where he got the ball roughly around the halfway line, yeah. pegged it down the right flank, That's cut in, made a mug of who was ever playing left Jorginho, back or left centre yeah, for them. I think it was actually Jorginho who he, took, who he ran enough. past. I don't know why it was a left and back. And then slid yeah. it in. I watched the goal And early. that was the original, the, his face throughout that goal as well, the sheer, the, joy. the sheer sort of passion in his face as he was running with the ball. Like, it was beautiful. Yeah. And the other I one, obviously, was the Busquets goal. goal against Burnley. Yeah, you yeah. know what? It, it, I, I, and there's, a, there's an argument for that. Uh, next question. Who did Son support as a kid? Any Cock other? Humble, Manchester United. That's the right answer. Probably in no small part down to uh, a man we mentioned earlier, Park Ji Sung. How many times has Son been red carded for Spurs? Cockwomble once. Five times. <laughs> You're both wrong. 
No, moving on. It's three. Three red cards. He's, he's had three red cards Three red Spurs. cards, yeah. I don't know when. No. Yeah, apparently so. Double check it, but he apparently has had three red cards for Spurs. I only remember that the sound, That sounds one. right to me. He's, yeah. He's, uh, it, yeah, he's had the old red miss descend a few times. Yeah, oh, that was surprising. No. Yeah, he went for five so. sometimes. Look, it, look it up after this, because I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's got three red cards. And finally... I just can't picture it. Which ex-Spurs favourite did Son play with at Hamburg? Cockwomble, Raphael van der Vaart. Very good. And that's the end of the human son round. Very good. I think it's Osalio won that. But he didn't run away with it. Joe held his own and did pretty well. So I don't know. It's, it's a line goal victory, 13-4. I mean, it's not exactly <laughs> close. It's not far off Spurs record victory, is it? Yeah. It's one more than we beat Wigan by. <laughs> Poor Joe. I'm going to move on. I'm going to spare your blushes. Right. Into the last <laughs> the last question. And it's next goal wins. So if you get this, Joe, you've won the whole thing, by the way. It's the Who Am I game, which... If you it's the only thing that counts. haven't worked it out, is a game where you're trying to guess which Spurs player or ex-Spurs player I'm talking about based on a series of clues. And those clues begin with... He has 40 caps for South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> My middle name is Bert. 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 It's probably not Song Humin, is it? <laughs> so, I would Bert absolutely love it if his middle name was Bert. But it isn't. So who's going Alas. first, Timmy or Joe? Uh, good question. Who? Yeah. Let Joe go first. He's just lost two in a row. I love how you're letting him go first, as if you might get it. What a what a massive butt. advantage! Um, <laughs> yeah. It's got to be. You're it's welcome, got to Joe. be Gary Mabbert. <laughs> Gary Burt. What Gary Mabbert? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how your mind works, Joe. But it's not Gary Mabbert. Elio, your clue. I can't believe I'm writing Mabbert up as a missed answer, just in case I forget <laughs> what he was said. <laughs> I have 44 <laughs> career goals in all competitions. Was that career or career? career? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Career goals, not career goals. <laughs> when, you've heard, when you've heard Son Hyun Min said about 50 times in the last five minutes, it's difficult to think of other Tottenham players. The worst thing is I never know whether to say Son Hyun Min or Hyun Min Son because I hear it said both ways and I'm not really sure what the correct one is. So I just I go switch with Son it up. Hyun-min. I just switch it up. I, I just go with I hope I'm not offending any Korean listeners. We probably I have several times. We'll do our best not uh, to. We do do our best not to. Um, so 44 career goals and not Gary Mabbitt's and Lennis <laughs> Burt. It's not Gary Mabbitt, no. Um, is that 44 career goals for us? No, just in his career. Oh, okay. Um, Vincent Janssen. No. Next clue, Joe. I have won two league titles. Any ideas? Is it Raphael van der Vaart? It is not Raphael van der Vaart. Next clue for you, Elio. I have scored at two World Cups. Is it coming together yet? Dave would have got this by now. Not overly. Yeah, he probably would have. Um, no, I, th- I feel you're, you've been extra discreet this week. Um, well, ever since you got it after sco- two clues, I had to make it a bit trickier. Scored at two, scored at two World Cups. Middle name is Bert. 44 career goals. Um, this is hard. Um, one day, Elio might pass, but today is not that day. Today is definitely not that day. You never know how how that could. It's like you were saying earlier. You've got to take shots. You've got to be in it to win it. Exactly, exactly. You've got to take shots. Um, Even if one of those shots ricochets off Michael Dawson and goes into the net. <laughs> exactly. Toby Alderweireld. 
No, it's not Toby Adevarold. Next clue for you, Joe. I scored six goals for Spurs. Jan Vertonghen. It is Jan Vertonghen. And I almost certain <laughs> well, you wouldn't um, have even said that had Elio not just said Toby Adevarold. No, to, to be fair, to be fair, I actually had a theory that the middle name Bert sounded like it was going to be a Dutch or Belgian player or someone, which is why mm. I went with Van der Vaart. I appreciate very it. Good. And that's why I went. Abbott, but, uh, In fairness, yeah, very I, I good. Got, I got thinking Van der Vaart, maybe Bergwijn. I had Alderweireld, actually. I would have said that if Elio hadn't. Um, and mm. I had Vertonghen. We were on the same lines there. Because I went with Janssen and Alderweireld, and you I went with Janssen was a good, a good idea. Mm. Um, yeah, basically, it was all about the Flemish. It was Bert something. It was it was Jan Bert something Batongan. I can't remember what his other middle name was, but it was it was a little bit more Belgian sounding. So I felt like it might have given it away. I can't remember what it was, but it this was is the second two ammo you've got recently. You got Sharingham recently there as well, you didn't you? Mm. So the rest of the clues mm. would have been: I am six foot two. That would have helped earlier. Would have helped a little bit. Yeah. I scored my first Spurs goal against Manchester United. Do you remember that, Elliot? Technically, that was given as an own goal in the end. Was it? But yeah, I remember it. Yeah, where he charged up the left flank. I mean, technically, I had got one of the clues wrong because I didn't read it out as part of the contest. I don't know. I have captained my country and, of course, am my country's all-time record appearance holder, I believe, if Hazard hasn't overtaken him. Uh, I twice made the PFA Team of the Year and I have played with Adele Tarat and Luis Suarez. Tarat's currently... (laughs) At Benfica. Yeah, that would have been a, a real red herring. Yeah, throwing one. you off the scent a little bit. And Luis Suarez <laughs> back in his Ajax days. As well mm. as uh, Edgar Davids, actually, which would have been another one to confuse things further. And uh, yeah, he scored four career goal. goals is Yeah, most of them were Ajax. He was a quite a yeah. high goal scorer at Ajax. I think he was playing more of a midfielder in those days. So yeah, he, he scored something like 22. I mean, Holland. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Most goalkeepers mm. for Ajax can average at least three goals a season. <laughs> so. <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, he scored in the 2014... World Cup and the 2018 World Cup, which is quite impressive for someone who only scored six goals for Spurs. Um, one of them was quite a nice, nice goal, if I remember. The other one was a bit of a fluke. I think he was trying to head it across. The goal. one against Dortmund was absolutely oh, super lovely. He had like the game of his life that day, and that was just a beautiful, beautiful goal. He's playing as a left wing back that day as well. I feel like, and this is in no way a complaint, but we spend a lot of time talking about the brilliance of Jan Vertonghen on this show. Rightly so. I mean, Jan Vertonghen is in the top two Spurs centre-backs I've ever seen. He's like the Belgian Danny Rose, some might say. (laughs) I saw him described when I was doing my research for clues. Obviously, it wouldn't have been a very good clue, but as the Belgian Maldini. (laughs) I would have narrowed it down a little bit. He's he's a left-sided centre-back slash left-back. Very classy. That would have been fairly fair. It would have been a bit of a rubbish clue, though, wouldn't it? How many players could have realistically be called the Belgian Maldini? It would have gone exactly how it did just now. One of you said out of our odds and the yeah. other said, <laughs> said Vertonghen. <laughs> but anyway, that's the end of, that's the end of Challenge Alio. And that is the end of the episode, I think. And a relatively swift one by our standards. And hopefully we'll be back again next week. And we're not talking about an absolute demolition job at the hands of Liverpool. And hopefully we are getting very excited having witnessed Leeds beat Arsenal in a shock upset, setting up a tantalising North London derby. Thank you guys both for joining me and thank you everyone who's listened and continues to listen every week. And actually, we've had a new listener country. Let me just throw that in there. We've had the United Arab Emirates join our, our ranks now. So we've had someone listen from there. So uh, we continue to expand. One nation I don't globally. think we've had a player play from. No, no, I obviously did check as I always do, but it doesn't change plus Dave FC, unfortunately. But nonetheless, great to see people listening from all over the world. So uh, once again, to everyone who's listened, thank you so so much for joining us again and thank you for everyone who follows us on twitter at plus dave podcast and if you're listening and you don't please do 
there's lots of entertaining stuff on there and hopefully you will join us again for next week's episode and we can do it all again but until then stay classy Spurs fans and we'll see you again next week. Yeah.